Only love, right? Only love. That's really good, really good. Well, thanks for being here. Like I said, man, this is Labor Day weekend. It's going to be a special time together, great time so far. Um, Man, we do what's required, don't we? Who loves the law? Who loves following the law, right? How many of you just, every day you wake up and you're just like, I can't wait to obey every law. My dad is here, here. he's a judge, he's here all the way from Ohio today, Um, so glad to have family in town. But um, law, lawbreakers, there are two kinds of people, lawbreakers and law keepers. Who prides himself in being a law keeper? I'll be honest, okay, as a church. Uh, who prides themselves, here we go, who prides themselves, be, you are a lawbreaker. Maybe it's not totally blatant, but you just kind of like, kind of t- step over that line a little bit. You like dipping your toe in the pond a little bit and just kind of testing the waters a little bit. Yeah, some of you. Yeah, I'm one of those people, I'll be honest. I'm your new associate pastor, and I'm being honest up here, a little vulnerable moment. Uh, but I've got some rebel in me. I like crossing the line a little bit, but not too much. Not too much, drives Lindsay crazy. Um, we were hanging out this past weekend, and we've got laws in our house, right? We've got certain rules, certain boundaries, certain laws in our house. Uh, Kids, you make a mess, what do you do? You clean it up, right? Clean up, it's all good, everything goes well in the house, happy wife, happy life, here we go, okay? Uh, what else, we've got don't sit on the, ca- the countertop, I can do that, I'm above the law. Um, kids, you can't do that. Uh, kids, you gotta clear your plate, finish your dinner, put your plates in the sink, and it will, and it will go well with you and your soul, okay? Um, what else, uh, okay, eat veggies, we got veggies. Right, you gotta have veggies in order to have ice cream. Um, a couple days ago, we were hanging out with some family around the table, and my daughter, Lila, four-year-old daughter, man, she's got some strong will. We had these green beans that my mom made, and she would not, she would not let these green beans go down the hatch. I mean, she was determined. She was gritting her teeth. She did not want to eat her veggies. But this is a rule. This is a law at our house. You cannot have sweets until you eat the greens. Okay, you gotta have the veggies. Gotta have the veggies. Sometimes my, my kids will say, man, mom and dad, you've got it good. You've got it good. Man, I hate, I, it stinks being a kid. Oh, rough life being a kid. Really? Really? Wait until you're an adult, okay? Adults, man, we've got, we got to go to the DMV. Oh, we got to go to the DMV. We got to, if we live in neighborhoods, we got to, uh, uh, we got to comply by the rules of the HOA, okay? Um, uh, we got, uh, we got to pay taxes. Oh, I think I just threw up in my mouth, right? Um, we got to pay taxes. Oof, oof. Adults, man, we got, we got big rules. We got big law, right? And if we break the law, we have, we have, some, we have some implications, right? Kids, you break the law, you go, you go to your room. Adults, we break the law, we go to jail, right? We go to jail. We do what's required. Okay, life is life, it is what it is, we gotta do what's required. We gotta do what's required. Sometimes in our relationships, we do just what is required. We do just enough where we're not gonna get in trouble, right? We're not gonna, we're not gonna get thrown in jail, we're not gonna go to our room, so to speak. We gotta eat our veggies as adults, we gotta do just enough to get by 
We do what is required in our relationships. Sometimes we just do just the minimum in our relationships. How many of us are guilty of that? I'm guilty of that. I've got uh, enough to take care of myself. Okay? I've, got, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to take care of my, my wife, my kids. It's survival mode. How many of you can relate to survival mode? You just do just what is required, meal to meal to meal. You go to work, sleep, eat, repeat, right? Survival mode. We do just what is required in life. We do just what is required in our relationships. But is that how it's meant to be? Is that really what God intended? For us to do just what's required in our relationships? In Matthew 5, in Matthew 5, Jesus calls us out. He calls us out. He calls us out. All throughout Matthew 5, he says, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, do not murder. You've heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you. Turn to the person next to you and say, but I tell you. But I tell you. You've heard it said, but I tell you. But I say to you, do not commit murder in your heart. Do not be filled with anger in your heart. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, do not lust in your heart, right? Jesus is raising the bar. He's calling us to the next level. He's saying it's more than just the law. It's, he says it's more than just the requirement, okay? He says there's a whole other level of relationship here. He's, he's broadening the scope of the law, this law that had been followed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years by God's people. The Pharisees are really good at it. They crossed every T, they dotted every I, they did, they checked the box, they did what was required, they obeyed the law, and they took pride in themselves, right? But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's not about the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law, it's the heart of the law that really matters. He's broadening the scope of it. It's not just the physical law, it's the heart of it, it's the root of it, it's the spirit of it that really matters. He was calling people out. He's calling us out. He's saying it's not just about obeying the rules. It's not about just doing what's required. He's calling us to a whole other level of living in relationship with each other. You've heard it said, but I say to you, and he's on the Sermon of the Mount, the best sermon ever written, ever preached, you can probably find it on, on, your, on your iTunes podcast, right? The most hits ever. <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount. There were hundreds of people gathered on the hillside next to the Sea of Galilee. And while he's teaching this message about going to a whole other level and doing more than, just what's, more, than, more, than just what's, more than just what's required, he, he says this. He says this. Romans 5, 41. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Anyone who forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, I can just imagine Jesus out there, he's really good with teachable moments, right? Seeing what's around and what's, uh, what, what's visible and using that as a teachable moment. Parents, great, great idea to do that. Um, but Jesus notices, uh, I'm just guessing, he notices this little Jewish boy this little Jewish boy walking alongside this Roman soldier. I forgot my backpack up here, but uh, back then th there was a law where Ro Rome, the Roman soldiers could force anyone, anyone, regardless of age or stage of life, anyone, uh, anyone who was Jewish, 
to carry their up to 100 pounds on their back. I mean, they had water, they had food, they had artillery, they had all kinds of stuff in their backpack. And the Romans could, could force any Jewish boy to carry their backpack for them one mile. Now, real quick, this, this, law, this law was put in place about 10 years before Jesus stepped, stepped onto earth, okay? This law was in place for 10 years. The Romans were ruling Jewish Palestine for 100 years to this point, okay? And the Romans, they, they were ruling not just Jewish Palestine, but they, they, they pretty much conquered the whole entire Mediterranean region. Look at this map. Look at that. I mean, it's modern-day Spain, um, modern-day Portugal. You see the entirety of the land that the Romans had conquered. They pretty much, that was just like the world back then. The Romans conquered the world, and every day they took pride in conquering the Jewish people. Every day, in all different ways, they wanted to show the Jewish people that they were in charge, that they ruled everything. And there were, look at this, 50,000 miles of, of highway. And it's actually, there are actually some roads that are still used today called the Roman Road, right? 50,000 miles of, of Roman highway. This is one example. This is what it looks like today, actually, still being used. But these roads symbolize power. They symbolize authority. They, they, they symbolize um, just the, the, the Roman presence and strong arm over the Jewish people. The Jewish people were enslaved by the Romans. They were oppressed by the Romans. Uh, the, the Jewish people were overtaxed by the Romans. They experienced famine because of the Romans. The Romans would take too much money, they'd overtax them, and the Jewish people weren't left with much money to, to, to buy everyday meals, to buy veggies for their kids, right? Crisis. So here, 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 here's a Jewish boy in the middle of his work, in the field, by his house, and a Roman soldier comes along with a 100-pound pack. And the rule was, the law was, you could force that, that Jewish boy to carry your pack one mile. If anyone forces you to carry it one mile, you must, uh, and Jesus takes it a step further, which we'll talk about. So that, that Jewish boy would take the pack, he would drop whatever he was doing, he'd carry the pack all the way to the first mile marker. In fact, a lot of Jewish people, they were smart, so they would set their own mile marker uh, one mile exactly from their house. Why? Because they didn't, want, they, didn't, they didn't want to go any longer than one mile, okay? How many of us do that, so to speak? We have just this certain parameter, this certain comfort zone. We set these certain boundaries that make us feel secure and safe and stable in our finances, in our time. Um, just the, the way we live our lives and relationship will only go so far, right? We have this, this, this zone of convenience, this zone of comfort. And we set that mile marker out. We're like, all right, I'm not going beyond there because it interrupts my lifestyle, interrupts my standard of living. I'm guilty of that. So these Jewish people would set a mile marker exactly one mile from their house. They would carry the pack, 100-pound pack. They would do it out of compulsion, out of obligation. They were humiliated, and the Romans were proud of that. These Jewish people would carry their pack exactly one mile. They would drop the pack, maybe spit on the ground in disgust, and walk a mile back home and carry on their trade. Nothing more was expected. The Romans would 
probably find somebody else to carry it the next mile, right? But this was the culture back then. This is what was happening back then. But Jesus takes it to a whole other level. You've heard it said, if somebody forces you to go one mile, what's he say? Go with him two miles. This was a bombshell. <laughs> this was a bombshell to all those who were listening. And Jesus was standing there in the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching all these principles about going to the next level, doing more what's required, going above and beyond the call of duty. And I want to say he saw a Jewish boy take that pack to that mile marker, set it down, and carry on with his day. And Jesus saw a teachable moment. We want to force you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And there was this hush amongst the crowd, right? This, oh, Jesus, are you kidding me? Oh. And notice, he says, if anyone, he doesn't even say if a Roman soldier, so he's broadening the scope of this, if anyone, Spring Branch, forces you to go one mile, if anyone, I'm saying anyone, coworker, boss, neighbor, that aunt, that uncle, right? That person who wronged you. And the heart of this teaching here is loving our enemies, not retaliating against our enemies. How many of you have been wronged by someone? How many of you have been offended by someone in life? Somebody said something to you or did something to you, and you were like, oh my gosh, no you didn't. And you haven't talked to them since then. Maybe you've retreated from them. You haven't approached them in love and forgiveness. Maybe you haven't called them out in a loving, gentle way, full of truth and grace, right? Or, or maybe you have fought back. Jesus says, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? But he calls us to turn the other cheek and to love others. If anyone forces you to go one mile, whatever they've done to you, whatever they've said to you, I mean, picture this, the Roman government, the Romans ruled the day, and Jesus is calling out these Jewish people, and he's saying, hey, I don't care what they've done to you. I don't care what they've taken from you and your family. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Oh, man. And you're probably thinking, Heath, uh, you, you don't know about this person. They did this to me. They said this to me. They did... Uh, uh, I mean, I've held this grudge for a long time. I'm, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to give in now, you know. I've drawn a line in the sand. I haven't talked to them in years. I'm not saying be their best friend. I'm not saying be reconciled. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation, but it means forgiveness, right? It's taking them off the hook. And in turn, you take yourself off the hook. Forgiveness is not only somebody, setting somebody else free, it's setting your own heart free, right? The first reason why Jesus challenges us to go the second mile. There's all kinds of reasons, but the, the, the first reason why Jesus calls us to go a second mile is because we lighten the load of others. We lighten the load of other people. That makes sense, right? Romans are um, walking through the day with their pack. They're sweating, blood, sweat, and tears, and somebody comes along and takes their pack. Imagine this. They take the pack and there's a smile on their face. There's no compulsion, no obligation. Somebody comes along, they willfully take the pack off the Roman soldier's shoulders, and they're walking along with them. And they're making conversation. How was your day? <laughs> 
How crazy would this be? You are lightening the load of that person, physically, emotionally. How many of us walk through the doors this morning with a heavy load on our shoulders? How many of you feel the burden of being the provider of your family? How many of you feel that heavy weight on your shoulders being a single dad, a, a, a single mom? Maybe you've got a spouse in the military who, who's gone for weeks on end. Maybe, maybe you're feeling the weight financially. Maybe there's something going on in your family and, and it's just this monkey on your back and it's this heaviness, this weight, this burden. How many of us are carrying a load today? How many of us need somebody else to carry our pack for us? That's why we come together. You guys could just stay home and do bedside Baptist. Hello? Rollover Reformed, we call it. Church of the Holy Comforter. You could stay home. Pastor Pillow preaches a pretty good sermon. You could stay home. But we come together because we need each other, right? There's something about meeting corporately. It just feels like, all right, I'm not alone in this. People are, people are helping me carry my, my backpack. We meet in groups throughout the week. We serve on teams because we know that we can't do this alone. There's something about knowing that somebody is with us. And uh, the verse says, go with him. The word is with. How many with people do you have in your life? People just who are with you, not around you but are truly with you, who know you, who love you, who are encouraging you and helping carry that weight, praying for you, dropping off meals at your house, helping watch your kids so you can go on date night. How many people are truly with you in your life, helping you carry that pack? We lighten the load of others when we go the second mile. Lindsay and I, uh, we spent a few years in Charlotte, and right after we got married, there was this angel, this saint, her name was Cherie, and uh, we were serving in a student ministry together, and there was this woman named Cherie, and she, she was a godsend, truly. Um, she and her husband and her family had moved around three or four times uh, in life, and uh, she knew what it was like to be in a whole new place, whole new area, have a clean slate where you don't know anybody. Great thing, but a hard thing, and so... What, what she would do, she, she would mentor my wife, Lindsay. She would meet with her regularly. Um, she would lead a Bible study for Lindsay and some other friends. She would host, uh, host Lindsay and I and our kids. She would watch our kids while we, went, while we would go on dates. Lindsay and I, um, we had some miscarriages along the way. We had a couple miscarriages before our firstborn. We had a few more before our secondborn. It was a really, really difficult time. We were carrying this. Uh, it felt more like 100 pounds, right? It felt like this enormous weight on our shoulders in a new place, and we're having these struggles, these difficulties, and we, we, we just needed help. We, we needed people to be truly with us, and Cherie was one of those people. Um, she, she wanted to help carry our burdens. Galatians um, 6.2, Galatians 6.2 says this, bear with one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens, Spring Branch. Fulfill the law of Christ. That's what Cherie did for Lindsay and I. So many people have through the years, and uh, we're not meant to walk alone and carry that weight by ourselves. Lindsay and I and the kids, we packed up our cars in, uh, on June 10th, and we drove up to Virginia Beach, and uh, uh, we, we were met in the parking lot at 11.30 p.m., pitch black, and we saw 
Melissa and Mac Davis, you guys know them. Melissa is an adult discipleship uh, pastor, and uh, she met us out in the parking lot, 11.30 at night, big old smile on her face, and Melissa and Mac carried our luggage all the way up to our, uh, our, our new home, and they had a smile on their face the whole time. Uh, they barely even knew us, right, but they welcomed us with open arms, and we walked into our condo. There was a baskets full of shovels and beach toys and a fridge full of food, a cabinet full of food. And it was just this, this moment of, you know what? We're not, we're not carrying this load by ourselves. They didn't have to do that, but they wanted to do that. They were going the second mile. They were carrying our load. And since day one, we've felt that as a family here. I just want to say thank you. When you go the second mile for others, you carry the load. You help them carry their burden. When we go the second mile, we are filled with joy. We are filled with joy. The great irony is that when you're pouring out blood, sweat, and tears, you're sacrificing time and energy, you're interrupting your lifestyle for the sake of somebody else, you're filled with joy. The happiest people I know Right, there's something about them. What, what, what gives you that authentic, sincere joy? It's just, it's just this natural overflow from their heart. Chances are they make service a regular thing in their life. They're not living for themselves. They're living for other people. Maybe you're a dad of a special needs child. Maybe you've been on a, a few mission trips. Maybe you serve at Jay Cox uh, uh, Elementary School in Norfolk, the Title I school that our, our, our church partners with. Um, Maybe you, maybe, you, uh, maybe you start a ministry or serve in a ministry for single moms. Whatever it is, it, you're serving and you're filled with joy. You're pouring out, but then you're filled with joy, right? It's the great irony of ministry, the great irony of, of life is that the more we serve, the more we give out, the more we're filled up with joy. First uh, Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Imagine that Jewish boy with a smile on his face, right? He's carrying that pack. The Roman soldier gets to that first cone, and he's just expecting that boy just to drop the pack on the ground in disgust, spit on the ground and go back home, but he just blows right past that first mile marker, and he's carrying that pack on his shoulders filled with joy, filled with peace. He's got a bounce in his step, right? He went from victim to victor, right? He went from having to do it out of obligation to wanting to do it, right? When we want to do something, we enjoy it more, right? He took control of the situation, and he was filled with joy. All right, I don't have to do this, but you know what? I'm choosing to do this. Because I'm led by love. I'm not led by the law. When we're led by law, we go one mile. When we're led by love, we go two miles. If we're seeking to serve other people, we'll go one mile. When we're a slave to others, we'll go one mile. But when we're a servant of God, we go two miles. He goes all the way to the cone, the second mile. And he hands the pack to the Roman soldier, and he's got this deep, authentic joy on his face, right? Can you imagine that scene? And he hands the pack 
to the Roman soldier. The Roman soldier is just surprised. He's surprised by the joy of this young man. Has that ever happened to you? You go the extra mile for someone, it's out of the ordinary, it's above and beyond the call of duty. Maybe you don't, don't just say you're going to pray for somebody, but you actually pray with them in person. Maybe you don't point somebody somewhere, but you walk with them somewhere. Maybe you just spend time with them. Maybe you don't just text them, but you call them. Whoa, hey, that's groundbreaking. <laughs> but you go the extra mile, there's this joy, right? There's this joy on, on your face, and there's a joy in other people. It's contagious. It's contagious, and they're surprised by it. They're taken back by it. They're like, what? Why would you do this? And they're demanding an explanation. Do you live your life in such a way that demands an explanation? Is your bar so high? Is your, is your, is the, is your level of living so high And how you lead and love other people that other people are just like, whoa, that's different? I'm all about blending into culture. Be all things to all people. Be in the world, but don't be of the world, right? Blend in, be all things, all people. But we're not, we're not of the world. We're different. We're unique, right? Some people call Christ followers radical, but maybe we should call it just normal, right? The way we use our time, our treasure, our talents should be normal. Denying ourselves, forgetting about ourselves. Went to Ethiopia a few years ago, and there were people with dirt all over their face that uh, apparently been wearing the same outfit for years and years and years, just tattered and dirty. But you know what they had? They had joy on their face. These people at this Ethiopian church in Awasa, uh, next to uh, Camp, Camp Langano, they had this, this beaming, bright, joyful smile on their face because every day they were serving other people. Every day they woke up and they said, I don't need everything else. I don't need all this stuff. All I need is Jesus. They didn't have anything, but they had everything because they had Jesus and they were serving him. They were going the second mile for him every day, filled with joy. You know, every Sunday morning we have volunteers, we have team members here uh, that, that set the stage, that set the environment for us to encounter the love of God. Uh, we, have, we have folks in children's ministry. Let's give it up for our children's ministry. Pretty awesome. It's not babysitting, right? It is, uh, it is a discipleship opportunity. Uh, we have student ministry happening in a few weeks. Bunch of volunteers there. We've got people out in the parking lot. That's the first impression. We've got greeters. We've got ushers. And we've got Clyde and Deb. Check it out. There's Clyde and Deb. Clyde and Deb. Awesome, awesome people. They're second milers. They're second milers. They've been here for 17 years. Uh, this past week, uh, our, Insta, our, our Instagram account uh, showcased this picture and told a little bit of their story. But Clyde and Deb, 17 years of serving Spring Branch. Um, Deb uh, kind of spearheads the garden club. She makes sure all the flowers are in bloom and everything's mulched and everything. It looks great. Uh, Clyde, he's like a jack of all trades. There's nothing he can't do. I'm not a handyman. Uh, it's quite embarrassing, actually, uh, but uh, uh, I like guys like Clyde, you know, who can step in and fix things and repair things. He does all kinds of things in this church. He's kind of the glue, and so it's people like Clyde and Deb uh, who volunteer their time out of the willingness in their own heart. They don't have to do it. They could just go to the first cone. They could just go one mile and just 
and just come and go and uh, benefit from the church as opposed to participating in it and using the gifts that God has given them. Again, uh, 1 Peter 4.10, each, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, whatever gift you've received to serve others. You've got gifts. What has God put in your hand? Some of you are so creative. So some of you can fix stuff. Some of you can plant stuff. Some of you have musical ability. Maybe you have a vocation uh, during the week and you've got certain skills that you can use to help Spring Branch, to help our church go to the next level and be second milers in this community. What is your gift? How can you serve? Life isn't about being served, it's about serving, giving our lives away as a ransom for many, just like Jesus. If you wanna serve, quick plug, go out to the Connection Center afterwards. There's a list of areas that you can serve and use your gifts and be a second miler, not just here between these walls, but in your workplace, in your home, right? In your neighborhood. Man, you are a leader because you have influence wherever you find yourself. Don't just check the box and do what's required at home and at your workplace. Go the extra mile because it's contagious and you can set the temperature. You're like a thermostat wherever you are. You can set that temperature, set that tone. You raise the level, everybody around you. Serve with joy. When we go the second mile, we lighten the load of others. We light, when we go the second mile, we're filled with joy and it's contagious. And we go the second mile, we're like Jesus to the world. This is it right here. We are like Jesus to the world. The Roman soldier, he wasn't really taught anything, but he caught something, right? Can you imagine all those second milers, those people that applied the message? Pretty good idea. Come on Sundays, apply the message in everyday life. Those Jewish boys who heard that message that day in the Sermon on the Mount, they applied the message. The next day when they were home tilling their field, Roman soldier comes along, carry my pack. Okay, sure, got it. Carrying the pack, carrying the pack. No big deal. This is great. How's your day? Oh, good. Yeah, how's it going? Here you go. Wow. What a witnessing opportunity. What an opportunity to be Jesus to the people around us. I love this passage, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are a light of the world, Spring Branch. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. A church on 1500 Great Neck Road cannot be hidden. A dad, a mom, a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, a brother, a sister, a high school student, middle school student, wherever you find yourself, you cannot be hidden. If you are a city on a hill, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Don't put your light under a basket. This little light of mine. I sang Zacchaeus last week, all right? I'm on a roll. This little light of mine. I'm, okay, sorry. There's a reason why I'm not singing. Troy's singing. <laughs> Lindsay's out there like, stop singing, keep preaching. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's not for our glory, but it's for his glory. We're not carrying the second pack for other people so that we'll get a promotion, so that we'll, get, so we'll step up the corporate ladder. We're doing it to please God. When we seek to please God, we'll go the second mile with a smile, we'll have joy, and it'll be a light to people around us. Do you stick out? Are you a purple cow in your community, in your neighborhood, at home? They may see your good works 
and give glory not to you, but to your Father who is in heaven. Be a light in the world. That's what Jesus was. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this guy. <laughs> he was onto something, right? He was in the world, but he was not of the world. You know what he did? You know what he did? He stepped down from heaven. He stepped down from heaven, didn't he? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He moved into our neighborhood. He took on flesh and bones. And you know what he did? He obeyed the law. He obeyed the law, the letter of the law. He crossed every T, he dotted every I, didn't he? He went that first mile. He went that first mile, he healed people, he loved people, he carried our pack on his shoulders. But you know what he, what he didn't do? He didn't stop at the first mile, right? He cruised right past that first mile marker. He kept going, he kept going. And where did he go? He went all the way to the cross. He went all the way to the cross. And he bore our sins on his body, 1 Peter 2, 24. He took all the weight of our sins on his body. It wasn't just the physical weight of suffocating under the weight of his own body on the cross. If that wasn't enough, he was suffocating under the weight of our past, present, and future sins. He bore the weight of our sins on his shoulders. And he didn't do it out of compulsion, out of obligation, like a lamb led to the slaughter. He did it out of a cheerful heart because he loved us. He wasn't led by the law, he was led by love. And he bore our sins on his shoulders. He went the extra mile for us. He went all the way to the cross, spread out his arms, and he said, it is finished. Jesus is the ultimate second miler. He went the extra mile for us. Let's go the extra mile for others. Love goes the extra mile. What's that one thing you can do this week for that one person? Maybe it's between the four walls of your house. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's something you've thought about doing or thought about saying, but now it's just, you just gotta go past that first mile. You gotta go the second mile. Because you will lighten their load and because you'll be filled with joy and because you'll be Jesus to the world. Love goes the extra mile. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for putting our pack, our pack full of guilt, our pack full of shame, our pack full of lust and envy, our pack full of regret. God, we can't imagine the kind of weight on your shoulders on the cross, but God, you did it because you loved us. God. You stopped at nothing. You were reckless in your love for us. And may we be reckless and unconditional and sacrificial in our love for other people. If anyone forces us to go one mile, God, may we go with them two miles. Because that's what you did 
for us, Jesus. We love you, and we commit this week, this month, this year, this decade, the rest of our lives to serving you, Jesus. We pray. And all God's people said, amen.